Well, if you have a copy of the scriptures, I invite you to open your copy up, excuse me, to the first epistle of John, where we will continue looking at what the Lord has spoken through the Apostle John in teaching us how we may have assurance in Christ. We'll be reading uh, 1 John chapter 2. I'll begin in verse 1 and read through verse 11. Our focus this morning will be on verses uh, 7 through 11, but it's good to read uh, the whole chapter thus far in order to help us get an idea of the context. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. This is the word of God. My little children... I am writing these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. As far the reading of God's holy word, let's pray. Our Lord, we thank you that you have given us your word, which teaches us what we are to believe about you and what you would have us to do. We thank you that this is the inspired word of God, that which you yourself have breathed out by your spirit for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. We pray now that as we come to the preaching of the word, you would bless it to us, that you would teach us from it, that we would see Christ and his glory, and that we would do what you would have us to do. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Children, I wonder if your parents have ever told you to do any of these things. Maybe they've told you to pick up your toys or do your schoolwork. Maybe they've told some of you older ones to take out the trash or maybe even help set the table. Now, I'm sure that you've probably been told to do one of those things at some point in your life, maybe many times in your life. 
you were anything like me when I was a child, and I like to pull out my Legos at all opportunity, you might be told to pick up your toys very often. But I wonder if you've ever been told to do something else. If, if your parents have ever looked at you and your brother or sister, and they've said to you, I want you to get along. Maybe they said that to you after you had been arguing or fighting over something. Maybe they said that to you as they were getting ready to leave and maybe one of your older brothers and sisters or a babysitter was watching you. Your parents said, get along. What is the difference between your parents telling you to pick up your toys and telling you to get along? Is there a difference? I think there is. First of all, the command to pick up your toys is far easier than the command to get along, isn't it? You can pick up your toys quickly, and then once they're picked up, it's done. But you can get along with your brother and sister for a little while, and then after a while, you bug them or they bug you, and then all of a sudden things fall apart, and it's much harder to get along. What's the point of this? Well, simply this. John has been taking us through this section of examining our life based on the commands of God. And he told us in the previous section that we are to keep God's word and we're to walk in the same way in which the Lord Jesus walked. We're to obey the commands of God. And now this morning, he's coming to one of the specifics a command which Christians are to obey in relationship to each other. John tells us this morning, Christians are supposed to get along. More specifically, or more importantly, we're supposed to love each other. Here in, in these few verses, in 1 John 2, 7 through 11, John says, God's people are commanded to love each other. And they're marked, they're evidenced by this Christian love. You, dear Christian, as one of God's people, are commanded to love the brethren. And this is one of the marks of your faith. Well, this morning, I hope to unpack this for you in two headings. First, the command itself. We see that in verses 7 and 8. And second, the evidence of this Christian love in verses 9 through 11. Very simple. We're commanded to love, and love is an evidence. So let's look now at our text so that we can unpack these ideas and see what the Lord would have us to do. Look with me at 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 and 8. Here we see the command to love. We read there, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already 
shining. Here we see the command to love, and we see that John presents it to us as both an old command and a new command. That is to say, it is historical. There's the historicity of the command, and there's freshness to it at the same time. What does he mean by these things? Well, let's look at verse 7. John begins there by addressing his readers and you this morning as beloved. Now, John often does this as, as he works his way through the epistle. He, he addressed believers as his little children there at the beginning of chapter 2. And now he addresses the believers as beloved. And I love how this shows us uh, how the Holy Spirit works here in, in the inspiration of Scripture. John was known as the apostle of love. There's, there's an ancient story, I believe, that Jerome wrote about that when John was, was very, very old and he lived for a long time, he couldn't walk around very well. So he had some men carry him on, on a pallet into the church. And he addressed the Christians there and said, love one another. Love one another. See, John was, was very focused on the Christian's duty to love each other. He's the apostle of love. And in uh, the gospel of John, he speaks often of God's love for us, of Christ's love for us, and of the love which we ought to have for one another. And so here, just in that address which John gives us, we see his character as one who loves the saints and who desires the saints to love each other. And we see the Holy Spirit working in him to begin this section about Christian love by using John's very love for the church. It's a wonderful example of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit as he works in the men who wrote Scripture to bring these truths to our lives in relevant ways. So John begins by calling the church beloved. And then he tells them that he's writing no new commandment, but an old commandment which we had from the beginning. This is a Known commandment. That's, why, well, that's what John means here by no new commandment. He's saying to the church, I'm not making this up off the fly. This, this isn't something which I've just invented right now. I'm not bringing in different doctrines, new doctrines. He's saying this in part to, to counteract the Gnostic heresy which was invading the church. You remember we spoke about that there at the beginning of our series. That the part of John's purpose is to combat the Gnostic heresy. These, these men who were saying, no, no, you need special new doctrines. You need this secret knowledge. John is saying you don't need special new secret doctrines. In fact, there's no such thing. He says what you need right now is to be reminded of a known commandment, something which you have already heard, something which you ought to already be practicing. What is this command? Well, commentators are actually somewhat divided on this, but from the context, especially the verses which will follow this, I think the best, uh, most accurate understanding is John is speaking of the commandment to love. You remember in... uh, John chapter 13, Jesus speaks of our commandment to love one another. We'll look more at that in the future. But this commandment is the commandment to love. It's known by God's people. What is love, you might be wondering? 
Is it merely a feeling? You have a warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart towards people. Well, no. Feeling can certainly be part of love. But biblically speaking, love is not so much what you feel, but it's what you do. Love is action toward other people. It is seeking the good of others, even often at the expense of yourself. We see the greatest example of this in the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself up for us. We see in Ephesians that husbands are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave himself up for it. See, love is doing good for others, not merely feeling good things towards them, but doing good towards them. And that is the command which is made to us. It is an old command, John says. It's had from the beginning. The beginning of what? The beginning of of God's commands to his people. In Leviticus 19, Moses speaks to the children of Israel. And that's the first time we see what Christ refers to as the second greatest commandment. God calls his people to love their neighbors as themselves. And that whole section in in Leviticus 19, uh, Moses reiterates to the people of Israel, do good to others, provide for the widows and orphans, care for one another, don't defraud one another, don't steal, don't lie, don't bear false witness. Treat others the way in which you want to be treated. Treat them the way God treats you, with love, with kindness, caring for them. This is a command which God's people have had since God gave his revealed will to them in the law. Love one another. It's an old commandment. But here in in verse 8, John tells us at the same time, it's a new commandment that he's writing. Well, what does he mean by this? Simply this, it's not new in time. What he means is there is and there should be a freshness to this commandment, a freshness to the commandment. He tells us that this command is true in him, that is Christ, and in you. He reminds us that Christ reiterates this great commandment to love our neighbors. The Lord Jesus did this in in Mark chapter 12 and in Matthew 22 when when he asked, oh, he is asked, what what is the great commandment? What what is the summary of the law, if you will? And he says, well, the first great commandment is, is our relation to God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Christ reiterates what God had said in Leviticus. Christ says that this is God's will for his people. And then, as I said in John chapter 13, Christ says that he's giving a new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. This is the mark of the Christian. Why is this a new commandment? Why is it fresh? The Greek language is very useful here. In, in English, we have one word for new. We have synonyms, but, but new is one word. You know, in other languages, there's, there's several words for 
different nuanced ideas. Greek has two words for new. One of them is the idea of being new in time, brand new. It's never existed before. And the other is the idea of being new in, in freshness, in application. It's the second word that John uses here. A good illustration of this might be the fact, children, maybe you've seen uh, when you were shopping with your mom or helping her do laundry or something, that the jug of laundry detergent says, new and improved formula. Well, has the laundry detergent never existed before? No, Tide has, has been around for a long time. But when they have new and improved formula, there's, there's a freshness to it. Maybe they've added a different ingredient. Maybe they've made it more concentrated. It isn't a brand new thing. It's existed for a long time, but, but there's an element to it which makes it fresh. This new commandment which Christ gives is, is fresh to us because we should be reminded constantly of Christ's love to us and the fact that he calls us to love each other. It should be in the forefronts of our mind, along with that command to love the Lord our God. We should also remember we are to love one another. It should be fresh and new. Why? Because John says the darkness is passing away and the light is shining. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ is, is inaugurated. Christ has come for the first time and bore the penalty for our sins, resurrected for our hope and our resurrection. So the kingdom has begun and as the gospel spreads, the kingdom is expanding until one day the Lord Jesus will return and the kingdom of glory will be here. The darkness is passing away because the light is shining. Christ's light, through the proclamation of the gospel, is shining and is combating the darkness. The darkness cannot stand against it. That is why and how we may love one another because of Christ's love for us, because of what he has done for us, because he has died for us. He has given us his righteousness. He has given us his Holy Spirit who works in our hearts to love God, to love others, and to do what the Lord commands us to do. The darkness is passing away. The light is shining. Therefore, we may love each other. We've been given those things which are necessary for that. That is the freshness of the command. Christ loved us. He commands us to love others. He gives us all that's necessary for us to love others. And he reminds us over and over again, every time we hear of him, every time we hear of the gospel, every time we see the work of the gospel and the conversion of sinners, we are reminded of this command to love one another. A commentator that, that I was reading about this passage had this excellent, very short quotation about the oldness and the newness of the command. He said, the command to love is as old as the sun and as new as the dawn every morning. That is how this command is old and new at the same time. It's historical. God has always wanted his people to love each other, but it's new and that it is fresh renewed every day as we are reminded of Christ's will for us to love one another. We see then we're commanded to love 
And then in verses 9 through 11, John takes us through the evidences of love. Remember, John says that if we love God, we keep his, his commandments. Lord Jesus said if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. John reminds us of that in verses 9 through 11 with these evidences of love. First, he, he reminds us that those who don't love, who hate the brethren, are in darkness. There is the darkness of hate, verses 9 and 11, and sandwiched in between those is the light of love in verse 10. Let us look at these verses and read them together. In verse 9, John writes, Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother and abides in the light, in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. John writes here of the evidence which which separates people regarding their love for one another. First, the darkness of hate. In 9 and 11, he writes there that whoever says he's in the light and hates his brother is in darkness. Now here, as John says, his, his brother, he, he is speaking specifically of fellow believers. We are called to, to love others. We are to share the gospel with others out of our love for them. But there is a special kind of love which Christians are to have for one another. Especially and specifically for one another. In the same way that Brothers and sisters, biologically speaking, ought to have affection for one another. Christians who are adopted into the family of God should have this familial love for each other. What John is saying here is that if you say, I'm a Christian, I love the Lord Jesus Christ, and at the same time, you look at a fellow believer and you say, I don't like that person at all, and I hope I don't spend eternity in heaven with them. You're a liar. You don't love Jesus at all. You cannot love the Lord Jesus Christ and hate the people whom Christ loved so much that he gave his life for them. It's impossible. It's contradictory. Hatred of the brothers of fellow Christians is evidence that you don't actually love the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 11, John says, whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and he walks in the darkness. He doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. He says that this darkness, this hatred is misleading. It takes someone who, who thinks, oh, I'm a member of the church. I've been baptized. I take the Lord's Supper First Sunday of every month. I volunteer my time. I do good deeds. I think I'm on the right path. He says that person is, is fooling themselves. They're misled. They're walking down a path that has nothing to do with the Lord Jesus Christ. But this darkness which they are in is preventing them from seeing that. It's misleading them. They are in the darkness. They're walking in the darkness. They don't know where they're going. They're headed headlong into hell. And they don't know it. Dear Christians, if this sounds like you, 
If you were saying to yourself this morning, yes, I love God, but I don't want anything to do with his people. I don't love the church which he died for. Examine yourself. Look at yourself. Do not be this person who does not know where they're going, who's being led astray. Repent. Look to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to give you love for his people. True love for his people. Not a mere general affection, but a love which seeks their good. This hatred also blinds, blinds people. John says the darkness has blinded their eyes. I think perhaps a good example of this in the Bible is, is Jonah. He didn't want God to save Nineveh. He tells God, I knew that you're a merciful and gracious God. That's why I didn't want to go to Nineveh and preach. Because I knew that if they did repent of their sins, you'd forgive them. They've repented of their sins, you've forgiven them, and now I'm mad. Because I don't like them. They're Assyrians. They're our enemies. How could you save them? Jonah's, Jonah's hatred for them blinded his eyes. Now, I, I think Jonah repented later on. That kind of abrupt ending seems to indicate that Jonah was the one who wrote the book of Jonah and then he kind of realized how foolish and sinful he was being and and he repented. But he's an example of someone who says, I don't want God to save other people. I know how merciful and gracious he is because the Bible tells me that and the Bible is true, but I just, I don't want him to do it. It blinds us to the fact that God loves people that he loves to save sinners. It blinds us to the fact that we need to be proclaiming the gospel to sinners. It causes us to become inward focused and, and ingrown. Not sharing Christ's love with others. Not, not caring for the brothers. That's one of the camps which John gives us evidence of and warns us of. Says that if you look like that, repent. Look to Christ but then in verse 10, he, he tells us of, of another person who truly does love God, who loves Christ, and who therefore loves his brother. In verse 10, he writes, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Loving the brethren, loving your fellow Christian, is evidence that you abide in the light, that you live in God's light, that you have union and communion with Christ. It's evidence that, that God has worked in your heart. It's, and it's a great evidence that God has worked in your heart because in and of ourselves, it, it's kind of hard to love the brethren, isn't it? Well, we could generally like each other, but you'll always find someone whom you disagree with slightly or who has a personality that you don't quite get along with. But if Christ has done a work in your heart and has given you love for the brethren. That same person you can look at and say, we might not see eye to eye on everything. We might clash sometimes, but this is my brother or sister in Christ. And I want to see them grow in holiness. I want to see them love Jesus more. I want to see them grow in, in their faith. I want their good. That's a work which only the Spirit can do. In us, and it's it's great evidence that you have union and communion with Christ. Do you love the brethren? 
Praise the Lord for that. Ask him to give you greater love so that you can display his love to others. And and this love of the brothers, this last phrase which, which John makes here, in him there is no cause for stumbling. It's pretty fascinating. In reading that, we might think that there's no cause for us to stumble if we love the brothers. But the usage of this, this word in Greek actually means causing other people to stumble. If you love the brethren, you're not getting in between them and their relationship with the Lord Jesus. You're not doing things to them where they look at you and they're like, well, like, I don't know, maybe, like, are they a Christian? Am I a Christian? What's going on here? Something's, something's not right. Am I out of good relationship with God because I'm not getting along with this person? Those who love the brethren, don't, they don't cause others to stumble. Instead, they help them. They point them to the Lord Jesus. They remind them of God's call for us to be holy. They encourage one another and build each other up. They don't stick out their foot and trip the other person, as it were. They're not seeking their destruction. They're seeking their good. This is evidence of our relationship with God. We see John presents to us this command and and the evidence. What do we do with it? What is the importance of this in our life? To conclude just with a few questions and some ideas for application. The question is, do you love God? your brother and sister in Christ? Do you love the people of God? Do you love the church? Examine yourself. Again, if you do not confess that sin to God and ask for forgiveness and ask for him to give you love, if you do, praise the Lord for it and continue in that love and ask him to give you greater love and demonstrate that love to each other. I will say that my brief time here, I have been so greatly encouraged by the love which I have seen between the saints here. The love which has been shown to me in your words and deeds. People of the Lord Jesus Christ, continue in that love. Increase in that love. Demonstrate that love to each other as evidence of your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Some practical ideas of how to do this. Pray for one another. Really pray for one another. Oftentimes, someone can say, I have this prayer request, and we'll say, I'll pray for you. We pray for them maybe once, maybe twice, and then it slips our minds, and we don't pray for them anymore until they remind us, and we're like, oh, (laughs) I prayed for you, maybe. Really pray for one another. Write it down. Have a prayer list where where you can go through. Pray through the bulletin. You don't have to pray specific things for each other, but you can pray for one another. Do that. Spend time together. Outside of, of just fellowship here on Sunday or on Wednesday, have each other in your homes. Feed each other. Invite each other over for lunch on a Sunday or dinner throughout the week. Take food to those who are sick 
or those who have just had a baby. Things like this are, are common. We often do them. Remember that these are ways for us to love one another. Finally, uh, another just practical idea that I had just this morning in, in looking at the deacon's fund. Give to the deacon's fund. Those, those are monies which are used for mercy ministry, for helping others, for showing love to others. And that right there is a practical way in which you can love the brethren and, and you can even love those outside of the church. We see here then in these, these few verses that God's people are commanded to love and that they're marked by this love. That you, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, are commanded to love and you should be marked by this love. Are you? Do you understand this, this old new commandment? Do you see how important it is in our lives, how it glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you see how terrible hating the brethren is? But how loving them is such a beautiful evidence of God's work in our lives. I hope you have, and I, I hope by this, the Lord will remind you, bringing to your mind daily, freshly, this command to love, and that he will also give you the strength put this command into action by loving the brethren. Strive to do so for Christ's glory and honor and the good of his people, his church. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we thank you that you loved us so much. Our Father, that you loved us and sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die for our sins. Lord Jesus, that you loved us and gave your life for us. Holy Spirit, that you loved us and applied the work of Christ to us. And that even now you work in our hearts so that we might love the Lord Jesus and we might love one another. Oh, Lord God, help us. Help us to love each other in word and in deed so that you might be glorified and honored so that people will know that we are your disciples so that your church would be built up and your people would grow in their faith. We ask all of these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us take a few moments now to meditate on this command and on these evidences of the love of God towards us. And the fact that because of that love, we may love one another.